Hi, everyone. I'm Margie Alanese, and this is Farm Her Talks, thoughtful conversations to connect and inspire the farm her in all of us. This episode is an Everybody Eats one, sponsored by Nationwide. Everybody eats and all food starts at the farm. No matter what the food is, everybody, all food starts at the farm. And we have been having a series of very real conversations on issues that farmers, people throughout the food chain, and the people who rely on farmers and people throughout the food chain, all of those people who eat every day, that's you, that's me, that's all of us, the very real conversations um, about the one thing we all have in common, and that is food. And uh, recently, our conversations have turned to food insecurity and some of the challenges that exist out there. And um, today, I'm excited to be talking a little bit more about some of the challenges um, in rural America. And we are going to be talking to Aubrey Alvarez, who's the executive director of Eat Greater Des Moines. And this is an organization that's right here near my home in central Iowa. But the really neat thing about what they're doing is it's not something that I've heard a lot talked about. And I, but I do think that there is great value in hearing what they're doing, regardless of where you are, because they're doing really good work. And this is not exclusive to them. They are looking at where the food is, where the waste occurs, and how they can take that food and divert it and get it to the people who need it the most. And it seems so simple when you put it that way. But it is actually not a simple process at all. And Aubrey has been uh, working in this space for a number of years and is very passionate about it. And I'm, I know um, that she's going to have ideas for any of you listening to be able to think about or implement or uh, maybe better understand what's happening in your own communities. Because um, the, the reality is that farmers all across the country are the keepers of the food, right? They, they grow the food. They're, they're the people who nourish and, you know, uh, sustain the soil and work so very hard to make sure that that food is grown. And, you know, when we're talking about everybody eats, I think the very real thing we can say is, how do we make sure, let's apply it in this way, how do we make sure that everybody does eat? And, you know, if 40% of the food that is grown or processed is wasted, how do we make sure that that 40% can be diverted or thought about in a different way so that more people who need it have access to it? So this is going to be a good conversation. Let's take it over to Aubrey. Okay, we are talking to Aubrey Alvarez of Eat Greater Des Moines here on Farm Her Talks. Aubrey, welcome. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm happy to be here. Uh, So happy to have you here. You know, our ongoing discussion about food insecurity and what role farmers play in making sure everybody eats like anywhere along the food chain, um, you know, has been a really great discussion. And I'm really excited to connect with you over um, what you're doing. So before we jump into uh, the work that you do with Eat Greater Des Moines, let's uh, talk a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Did you grow up in agriculture? Did you, uh, you know, have you worked for a long time in the food space? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm originally from Southwest Iowa. And while I didn't grow up on a farm, a farm was our backyard. So we always had... um, cows and corn and I actually made my mom a picture this year that's of a a cow that she can hang up out there because we grew up having them watch us eat dinner. So (laughs) 
while I didn't grow up necessarily like actively working in it, it was a small agriculture um, town. So I always appreciated just all the work that goes into producing food, but I will definitely say I didn't understand um, necessarily all the details really until I was into this role. So I went to college at University of Northern Iowa and initially wanted to be a teacher, but ended up in health and wellness. So that's kind of, I've always said I understand the value of eating good food and why it's important, but really understanding where it came from or how it got here and those details um, was not something I was really as versed in until I started with Eat Greater Des Moines. Yeah. It's, it's a unique thing, right? Like I, I would say that my childhood was similar to yours, you know, like I always said, like you could throw a rock and, and hit a cow if you want. I didn't do that, but um, yeah. like I lived there, but I wasn't responsible for taking care of them. They weren't ours. Right. And so uh, while it was always around you, uh, but then when you jump into the space and start working here, it's just so eye opening. I think all the different parts and pieces of the food system that are so very important and, you know, um, 2020 has been a year that has highlighted so much more of that, I think, uh, beyond uh, those of us who work in this space. Um, So it's been, I guess, let's call that a positive of 2020, okay, Uh, if we're going to pick one out. But, um, okay, so you uh, are the co-founder and executive director of Eat Greater Des Moines. So tell me a little bit about what that is, uh, why you were a part of founding this organization, and what you guys do. Yeah. Well, I consider myself an accidental executive director. <laughs> I um, did not <laughs> want to found a nonprofit. I knew enough to know that it was a lot of work yeah. and hard, but, you know, sometimes that's where you end up. So I actually took a role as a local food coordinator. And that role was to um, a food pantry network locally, and then our local United Way. Mm -hmm. They had been in a lot of similar conversations and groups and, you know, just talking about food and food access and how are all these pieces getting connected. So, you know, in those conversations, what they were learning was a lot of the like good ideas or challenges that you know, where the fish system was facing, none of that was really getting covered or taken care of just because it was no one entities or no one organization or person's job to do that. So it would turn into, well, this is on top of their other duties, or this is a volunteer. So that's why they decided to put funding towards hiring a local food coordinator who really the role was just based on um, similar roles that had been around the state that most of the time were housed with extension offices. Mm -hmm. So they looked really different. You know, sometimes in the smaller communities, um, they were really focused on local production and working with local producers and food hubs and others were, you know, doing more in um, waste management and food, you know, how do we prevent food waste? So there wasn't a clear exactly what they wanted it to do, but just to say, you know, how can we identify where are their gaps and where are their opportunities within our food system? So I applied for the job. I'm still sometimes surprised I got it because when they asked, you know, what's, what's your thoughts on the local food system? I was like, well, I really like to go to the farmer's market. (laughs) I like to eat. (laughs) I like food, but I'm not sure what you're talking about because it just is such a big So luckily, um, when I started, they ended up hiring another person at the same time for it part time, Linda Gobberdeal. 
And luckily she had uh, been working in the food space Mm -hmm. for a long time. So she knew at least who to start talking to and asking questions of. So for the first six months within that role, we just met with every, anyone we could talk to throughout the food system space. So uh, we looked in the production space. So obviously those small scale, large scale, um, traditional farmers, local right. crop production, specialty farms, the production space, the transformation, you know, going to meat lockers mm-hmm. and I processed chickens. I'm not going to do that Just, again. Yeah, no, and no. Good for you. Wow. Once was enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like to eat them. And I, anytime I've had the opportunity to be involved or to see it even, I'm like, nope, you, you got this. You're good. <laughs> I'll just eat them. It was one of, yeah, it was one of those situations where a couple chefs from um, locally, it, the cheese shop, were they were going to go process chickens with a local farmer. And they're like, do you want to come with? And I was like, well, probably should. So <laughs> I went with. Yeah. And it was actually um, before my husband and I were married. And when he agreed to go with me, none of my friends would do it. <laughs> he came with me. I was like, all right, seal the deal. We're going to get married. He processed chickens. <laughs> so, this is serious um, stuff. But, yeah, this is this is true love right here. So um, it was and then, you know, looking at that access and consumption space, there's a ton in there. You know, we're talking about restaurants and grocery stores and how can we make sure that they're able to, you know, more farmers and local production is able to get into that space. But we're also talking about food pantries and free meal sites. And, you know, how are we making sure that everyone has access? quality food and then the waste management um, part of it so what are we doing with the waste so that we can ensure that we can continue to grow and raise food for you know years and years to come so it was really through we met with um, probably 250 different individuals and groups within those six months yeah and it was just conversations just asking what do you think's going really well you know what would you like to see more of and where are their gaps? Where are things not working as well? That we, as a team of two people, you know, one full-time, one part-time, could start to make a difference. You know, we can't do direct service, but what we can do is keep bringing people together. You know, how can we start to have more conversations about that? So this is really, that's really where Eat Greater Des Moines, our work and our focus area started was just by talking to those in the space to say, where do you think we should spend our time? Because there's a lot of work to do, but there's there's only two of us. Yeah. So we had to be thoughtful. Yeah. So I have to ask, where did you hone in? Where Where is your time best spent? Because like you said, there's there's a million issues out there, right? And, and there's a whole yeah. lot of people who don't have access to food. And so where where is your time best spent? It's fluctuated over the years. So we did um, initially uh, when we got started, we did some speed dating between local farmers and wholesale, like restaurants and uh, grocers, mm-hmm. and that was fun. We learned that dating is stressful, yeah. no matter what situation it is. Yeah. So um, really trying to support local farmers markets and really just raise awareness about all of the amazing uh, work that was happening within each community, large or small. So one area that has really kind of risen to the top and been something that we've spent a lot of time is just in the food rescue and food waste space. And that's been more, it's particularly important, I think, all along that food spectrum. We know how much time, energy, and work goes into creating, raising, 
processing and developing food, why would we throw it away when it's perfectly good? And when you couple that with the number of people and families that don't have access to food, it just, it doesn't make any sense. So we've really been spending a lot of our time and focus in how can we start to address that gap where we have 40% of all food being produced, getting wasted, yet we also have one in six kids, you know, one in eight adults going hungry. So because we don't serve any people directly, you know, we aren't um, a free pantry, we're not a farmer's market, we're not a garden, we have a unique opportunity to just see at more of a system level where we could build some partnerships that could make win-win situations for everybody. Right. Uh, When I hear 40% food waste, it's, I mean, I've read this before, right? But every time I hear it or or read it, it's just staggering. It's crazy. And I think, you know, even from like when I'm eating, you know, or when, when we throw out food here at home, it drives me nuts. You know, it's like, yeah. we, we should have done better. But, um, you know, what we don't see are the grocery stores and, and the convenience stores and all of the places where we go to get our food. Right. It's, it's yeah. just, um, I'm sure insane if, if we all could actually see how it, how it works, but, um, you know, it, it's, um, an interesting space to be in. So let's, uh, a pause for a moment on the food waste. Let's talk a little bit about, um, so, so you guys are focusing on how to, you know, um, is rescue the right, the right term? Is that what you said? Yeah. Rescue. It's rescue. It's to, you know, I hate saying waste sometimes. Cause I think then that makes people think we're like dumpster diving or yeah. digging in garbages. It's not bad. We're not like the whole point is to get it, stop it from going there and right. to just keep it while it's, so we do talk about just rescuing. It's really just diversion. Right. Like, how can we give, make sure that that food meets its ultimate purpose of being consumed by right. someone? Right. Because all the farmers I know, they grow the food because they want people to eat it, not because anybody wants it to go in the garbage, right? So exactly, I like diversion much better um, and diverting that food to getting it. And, and there's so many challenges throughout. So let's, let's uh, talk at this point about some of the challenges that you see when you serve rural communities. So I think food access in, especially in those areas where um, there might, there's need or food insecurity, it's tricky no matter where it is. And I think we can all appreciate or recognize that when someone is struggling, there's also just some shame that goes in with it. Asking for help is hard. And we don't always want other people to know that we're struggling. And when you look at rural communities, I know where I grew up, um, There is one pantry, but if I went there, you know, everyone's going to see me. They're going to see my car. They're going to know me. And sometimes that's a huge barrier for someone even going and asking for help. So especially in small towns, we know how the 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 conversation chain works, right? Yeah. We don't want people to know that we're struggling, even though, you know, many would help. But unfortunately, there are there's judgment, there's power in that situation. So, you know, this is really where within rural communities, especially, um, we're working on how can we make it simple and easy to just put food where people are and just let them have it. Like you don't have to do anything special, but a lot of times that's where you'll see um, people from rural communities going to another town, going to an urban setting so that they don't have to go and, you know, maybe they volunteered there before, too, and ask 
you know, for help within their own community. So it can be really challenging when maybe they have a pantry, maybe they don't. And if transportation is a huge barrier across all the different sectors. So if you also are struggling with transportation, you know, it's really tricky. And a lot of the rural pantries, um, a lot of pantries, it's not even just rural ones, Mm -hmm. They do have a lot of rules about who can come, who can't come. Are you in the right school district? Do you live in the zip code? And so a lot of that doesn't take into account, you know, who would be coming. You know, when you look at, we work with um, a couple, we covered Dallas County and Warren County. And a lot of the time, a couple of our pantries in, you know, for example, Dallas County, were saying, well, we'll only serve our school district. And but you don't know who works in that community or who like maybe your pantries open the day that they can get there. Cause mm-hmm. that's the other part in our community. Um, the pantries open one day a week. They're not like grocery stores or convenience stores where you can go as often as you want. So there's just a lot of barriers to really accessing food when you're food insecure in a rural community that the current system isn't really um, making a whole lot easier. Yeah. Okay, so um, whether rural or urban, when you have uh, uh, diverted food from being uh, wasted or going to the garbage, um, can you tell me about some of the successful ways that you found um, maybe in partnering with organizations to get that food there? Like, tell me a little bit about how this works for you guys and and where you're seeing success, like where people are are being able to access the food. Well, I would say for, you know, we're still a small team. We're a team of three now, yeah. but partnerships and collaboration are the only way any of this works. No one entity, no one organization can do this alone. So it's always important to just look in your community and see one, where is the food? You know, where grocery stores, convenience stores, schools, um, anywhere there's food, there's a diversion opportunity. So, you know, starting there, we've really been focusing our energy and efforts within that grocer and convenience store space. Mm -hmm. And the convenience store space has been helpful. Um, We partner right now with one convenience store chain that they rescue. So their policy is that they won't sell any of their fresh made sandwiches, salads, wraps, cut fruits, that kind of stuff after 72 hours. So there's nothing wrong with it. This food is still completely safe and healthy. We just ate something for dinner last night that was well over 72 hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not, it's rare that our food is fresher than that. It's completely fine. So we have been then making it easier for them because again, it's not, it doesn't feel good to throw that food away. So we were able to partner with them to create a system where their staff now three days a week, they pull all of those items off the shelf from the cooler, from the hot case, and they put them into totes within their cooler. We pay drivers to go pick that food up every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then they deliver it to partner locations throughout the community. And So the key for this working one is us paying drivers to do this work because that consistency is key Mm -hmm. for the donor to go through and change their processes enough that they will, you know, have this food ready and available and safe. But the other piece that's been really key for us is trying to find some of those non-traditional partnerships of where food can go. So we are definitely taking food to our food pantries and free meal sites. But I would say some of our 
bigger successes have been um, affordable housing communities. We've been taking food to libraries. Like, again, focusing on where are people at already? How can we put food there and just make it easy for them to access? No questions asked. And so, you know, some of these affordable housing communities have been, you know, it worked well for us because we needed more spaces because there's so much food available. You know, I think that sometimes the challenge is everyone's like, oh, there's not enough food. There's plenty of food. There's so much food that we're throwing it away. What there isn't is we're just not very good at getting it to different places. So we're not efficient in moving it around. So that's where um, our ability to capture all of that and then spread it out to some of these new locations has been really successful. And some of our affordable housing partners, you know, Usually when you're going to the property manager's office, it's not good. You know, this isn't going to be a pleasant conversation, but because they've now had, you know, we started this in April of 2018. They've developed new relationships with these, you know, their neighbors are helping each other. They're picking food up for each other. The kids are coming down, you know, it's looking different now with COVID, but their eviction rates have dropped. You know, people, it's just provided that enough a little bit of love and stability that, you know, you can count on always having a meal. So, you know, that's really where we're focusing more within our region, but even encouraging all these other communities. I've talked with my mom, you know, in my small town and she's like, Oh, you know, they have two grocery stores and they have five gas stations. Yeah. So humongous yeah. metropolis a lot of food, and a lot of food. So we've been talking about, you know, well, where could that food go? And she's like, oh, you know, our pantry's only open one day a week. I'm like, yeah, okay. But where else are people? What about the school? Like, what about the library? What about these senior living communities? What about the mobile home, you know, park? We just had our first community fridge go up where it's literally a fridge mm-hmm. on the side of the road. It's actually an urban farm where we're putting food in it and people can just come and take it. Like, I think we've gotten really the food access space has gotten really, um, well, these are the only places food can go. Like that's not true. You can put food wherever people are and just make it easy for them to access. So that's really, that's really where we're spending more time and energy is supporting that space. I just bought $10,000 worth of, um, refrigerators and freezers yesterday. That was really fun. Um, that we're going to just distribute to all of these different partners so that they can store more food and have more food. But that's a huge opportunity no matter where you're located. Yeah. And I love that concept. You know, I mean, um, a refrigerator and the ability to distribute the food to that refrigerator. I mean, these are not huge barriers in the grand scheme of things, but it's just a different way of looking at it and thinking about it. And you're right. This can happen in any community. Any, anybody who cares about this could push forward with something like this. And, um, I absolutely love the concept. So, um, yeah, Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Aubrey, can you talk a little bit about how many people you've been able to feed through? I don't want to call your program simple, right? But but through mm-hmm. looking at food access and distribution in maybe a different way, how many people have you guys been able to feed through your program? Mm-hmm. So when you look at just the convenience store program, so that's one convenience store chain within our community. Um, here, it's about 40 stores they've been able to feed over, provide over a million meals with just things they were going to throw away. So it's, 
it's amazing. And I think that's, you know, when you look at, okay, that's one convenience store chain that's doing that with sandwiches, salads, and wraps. So, you know, that's just, I think, an idea of what's possible. Recently, with COVID and the pandemic, we've also been working with the USDA has this, these farm-to-family food boxes that are amazing boxes. They're filled with, it's like 30 to 40 pounds of fresh produce, you know, onions, potatoes, apples, oranges, um, some protein, some milk and cheese and dairy. Like, they're amazing boxes. Sorry, my children are yelling at me. Um, and, you know, the challenge there has been distribution. You know, they're, they're also heavy. And so we've been partnering with a lot of local partners. So, again, those within the emergency food space already, but also a lot of daycare centers, refugee and immigrant serving groups, um, just community partners that like are coming together to serve their community. And we've moved, um, I think I was looking at it the other day, we've already moved 2 million pounds of food just since April. And keep in mind, like we are an organization of three people. <laughs> we don't have a warehouse. We don't have a forklift or a pallet jack or any space to do this. It's all been through partnerships. So we've had partners that have let us, um, we get semi loads of these boxes dropped off right now. We're partnering with the Des Moines public schools. They're letting us use their warehouse. Mm -hmm. And then we have about 80 different partners that come through every Wednesday and pick up these boxes. So those have provided, um, multiple millions of meals to groups that wouldn't have access to this food any other way. You know, they're not able to order through the traditional emergency feeding model with food banks. So it gives us a chance to support those who are traditionally serving, but also really expand um, food to those who maybe haven't been serving before, but they're the trusted partner in their community. And if they're the trusted partner, they should have the food is kind of our, our approach. So, yeah. Three people have been able to um, serve millions and millions of meals without us actually serving anyone. So right. the power of we just get to be in the background. Yeah, the 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 power of working together, the power of partnerships is real in in this game. It sounds like for sure. So um, that that's Definitely. awesome. Um, okay, so earlier you mentioned, you know. Um, you guys really look at where is the food and how though you can help those people who have the food get it to those people who don't, um, especially in a waste situation. So as we talk about farmers, um, I know you just mentioned at an urban farm that, uh, you know, a, a refrigerator was put up. Have you seen other things happening in this space with farmers um, where they can help get food that might otherwise be wasted that, that they've been a part of growing? Um, is there anything yeah. that you've seen in that area? There is. There's actually, so we were really lucky to be a part of a um, national nonprofit food recovery accelerator and met a group out of Boston called Boston Area Gleaners. And gleaning is really just on-farm food rescue. Mm -hmm. So we learned from them and we're like, oh my gosh, what you're doing is amazing. So of course we're like, let's do it here. So we've been really building our gleaning operation, which allows farmers, as you know, like they'll go through and harvest and all of those seconds or things that just wouldn't fit into their usual market. Yep. We're able to go through, bring volunteers to harvest that product and then pay the farmer for the product. Again, 
this isn't, you know, we understand that it is a business right? and there's only so much you can donate. So we want to make sure that those farmers also get compensated. So we will pay them for that product and then we distribute it through our food recovery network. So this year was a little different just with the derecho. Um, we have in the past been able to really do a lot with gleaning from orchards, oh. apples and things like that. But we were able to glean some sweet corn. We've done potatoes. Um, again, a big part of this is just relationships and making sure that these farmers know that this is an option because it hasn't necessarily really been one before. So that's our focus for this coming year is how can we um, build more connections and relationships with farmers so that the challenge with gleaning is timing. You know, the farming space isn't, you know, yes, on Wednesdays, this happens and Thursdays, this happens. It really depends on weather and what's happening there. So we're trying to build up that system so that as farmers have crops become ready and they're not able to use them, we're able to move quickly enough to activate the volunteers to get out and get those crops and get them into the network um, with, without a huge delay. Yeah. I love this. I think, um, you know, all of these things you're talking about, um, and kudos to you for for doing those and putting them into action here in our community. But these are all things that are applicable and reasonable for people to think about in any community across the country. You know, yeah. and whether you're on the farming side, whether you're on the food side, whether you just care about this and and you want to bring something to your community, like we all have the ability to play a role here. And and that's why I I absolutely love hearing about what you're doing. Okay, so Aubrey, yeah. uh, one last question. Um, I, I can attest to the fact that uh, when you work with a small staff and you're passionate about what you do and it creates a situation where there's really no work hours, you know, there's like this <laughs> massive blend between uh, your life and and your passion in your work. And so it can get tough, right? And, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're doing a lot of work with few resources. So what is it about this, uh, especially... Um, you know, coming into the food space um, without a background there, what is it about this, this job? I'm not going to call it a job, this, this chosen path in life that keeps you coming back. Why do you do this? Well, I think for me, you know, it's always, what I love most is that I get to work with really passionate people who also care. And I think that's what keeps me coming back because it is hard. You know, this is when you start to see, um, up close, all the challenges and the things that are keeping things from working, it's frustrating. And there's definitely been days because, you know, because of our type of organization, we also face pushback from organizations that I wouldn't think would be pushing back against us. So it's really though, like the opportunity to see, I had the, um, the fridge that went up on the farm this weekend, the farmer actually texted me on Sunday and showed me the enclosure that she had made. And I was so excited. I was like, let's go buy a fridge right now. So we met, we went and bought a fridge and it's up on Monday. It's getting to support the people who are doing this amazing work and being the leaders in their communities that makes me want to keep doing it. Like I kind of consider myself just the hype person. I'm just the one there that's like, yeah, you can do it. This is amazing. Let's go for it. So getting to do that and call it a job is 
pretty fun. Yeah. I, I can kind of be a hype person too. I mean, I'm not doing the farming. I'm just, you know, like telling the stories. So, um, I know. yeah, it's, it's a good space to be. Well, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about Eat Greater Des Moines or, uh, contact you, where can they do that? Yes. Well, Eat Greater Des Moines, our website is Eat Greater Des Moines, um, E-A-T-G-R-E-A-T-E-R-E-A-T or Des Moines, D-E-S-M-O-I-N-E-S. I've never spelled it all out. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, um, if you weren't from here, it might sound weird. <laughs> I know. That's how to spell Des Moines because it's always like Des Moines, Des Moines. But we're also on social media, on Facebook, Eat Greater Des Moines, Instagram, and Twitter. So I would say our Facebook page is probably the best way um, to connect and get engaged. And really, you know, we are focused on our region, but what we want to do is just empower and support other communities to do the same thing. So if there's any other groups or people that are interested in how they can do the same things we're doing or they're at, I'd love to share. So I'd be happy to pass along or chat and share, you know, how they can do the same thing because all of this stuff is replicable and all of this stuff is really important um, in building community. So we want as many to do it as they can. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your message on Farm Hard Talks. Well, thanks for giving me the chance to share. I appreciate it. Of course. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to remind you that you can access all of our Farm Her Talks, Everybody Eats content on our website. That's farmher.com. And while you're there, you can check out the stories. You can see the pictures, uh, watch the videos. Of course, we've got all kinds of other parts and pieces there, but you can uh, scroll down on the main page right there and click on that Everybody Eats button. And you can see these series of stories where we really get to focus on all of these different parts and pieces in the food chain and um, you know how important they all are to us, even though we don't see them every day. So thank you again for joining us for another thoughtful conversation right here on Farm Her Talks.